wondered the same thing. I I, I, I don't see any airing this without going down a road uh, too far. Well, we could all pledge restraint. I mean, we are adults, arguably. <laughs> I pledge all sorts of stuff. Although you, you are a guy who spreads peanut butter with your corn dog stick. You child. And sticks it in a jar, as discussed earlier on the Armstrong and Getty show. So I'm not sure you can be trusted. But that was, an... like, that was like one of those things with the, it was like a Dateline or a 2020. They had oh. a hidden camera in a kitchen. You know, caught we... a man doing something disgusting. We need to replay that clip. And I will tell you the single most embarrassing story about myself at the table in the entire history of Joe Getty. What are you doing? <laughs> yes. I'm that... spreading peanut butter with my corn dog stick. <laughs> All right. The full story later. Hang on now. So back to the clip that I want to know about. <laughs> There's a new trend on TikTok, and it is... Can I even say this? That's what I was wondering. Well, because it's so... I mean, I want... Your mother is listening. Um, Hi, Mom. Um, The new trend is, I'm told... <clears throat> oh, what, Sean? It's not so much a trend. There is a single video of somebody describing this thing and, and, and displaying it. But and, this isn't like the this isn't like the pee your pants challenge where a bunch of people are doing this. Oh, but but is it as suggestive as it sounds? Yes, but it is it is a real thing, and she is demonstrating this real thing. And I almost she's not trying to be suggestive. No, I don't oh, believe so. Okay, I get it now. So I this get it is now. okay. It has to do with cucumbers, and this has to do with with obtaining a cooking ingredient. I'm assuming, or it is or a, like for a drink. It is a process by which you de bitter. Your cucumber before eating it. Oh, I hate a bitter cucumber. Please, I'm so bitter I don't even taste the bitterness. Debitter your cucumber. Yes. There's a tip on TikTok on how to debitter my cucumber. All right, let it go. Who here has ever milked a cucumber? You cut the edge off the cucumber like this, and then you start like rubbing it together in circular motions. Nope. You see, you can already see that white stuff coming out. Bad decision. So I don't know if you <laughs> yeah. All right. We got 50 more seconds, but it's it's a real thing. Like this is like you like a cucumber. I get it. You guys are children. You know what? <laughs> well, no doubt. It reminds me very much of Jimmy Kimmel's unnecessary yeah, censorship, exactly. in which they bleep out clean words, but listening to it, it sounds so incredibly filthy. You can't believe we're airing it. So yeah, I I'm not comfortable with that. Can we <laughs> post that at armstrongandgetty.com, please? Yes, um, it will be posted momentarily. Watch it yourself. Not safe for work, even though it's just cooking. It's a cooking video. <laughs> so I uh, meant to mention. I, I've it. noticed, Sean, you haven't brought us any zesting lemon videos lately. Why did you bring us that video? Those You're going to take that tone with me. Those, I'll take this tone with you. Those ones don't show up on my trending feed. <laughs> All right then. Sorry, Jack. You were trying to say something. And this is one hundred percent serious. So okay. Um, I meant to mention this earlier in the show. I did it. Yesterday, if you've already heard it, my apologies, but I just thought it was extraordinary. Robbie Suave, who we like, we've had on a number of times. He's with Reason. Reason.com, yep. Um, and he said it's this hard to fire a public employee. What story was he talking about? Do you remember the one of, because there were multiple, but one of the disgraced Broward deputies who got fired for not running in to the Parkland High School when all those kids were being shot? One of the worst mass slayings in U.S. history. Police show up, they hear the shot, and some of them did nothing. I think most of us like to believe, I got a gun, I'm going to go in there and do something. 
Right. Rather than let all these kids get killed. Well, this one particular guy lost his job and didn't do anything. He's now been reinstated by an arbiter with 16 months back pay. He's making $137,000 a year when he was canned. Um, in case you were thinking, well, I'm not sure. Should he have to go in? Didn't have to go in? What do he do? Let's revisit this story. A sheriff's sergeant was fired for sitting in his parked car while a gunman slaughtered students at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. He's going to get his job back. They dismissed his case. This guy's name is Brian Miller. According to a statement from the union that represents deputies and sergeants, the arbiter's ruling found that the Broward County Sheriff's Office violated his due process rights when they terminated him. Anyway, he was the first supervisor on the scene when the shooting started. He arrived in time to hear three or four shots. As a supervisor, he didn't rush to take command. Instead, a state commission investigating the shooting found that Miller took his time putting on a bulletproof vest and hid behind his car, not going on the radio for 10 minutes to alert anybody else that could come and help. Oh, so he just hid. He failed to coordinate or direct deputies' actions and did not direct or coordinate an immediate response into the school. A report from the commission said Sergeant Miller's actions were ineffective and he did not properly supervise the scene. This is a guy who took a job where you're going to have to be in these kind of situations. At least potentially, yeah. You only want to hire, as a taxpayer, people that are capable of doing that job. I'm not saying everybody could do that job. Oh, I'm no. not saying I could do that job. Nope. But you'd like to hire the people that can do that job. This guy can't do that job. But when he got fired for not being able to do his job, they said, ah, that ain't right. And they, So he got his job back and his back pay, $137,000 a year. Yep. That is just a disgusting story. And the point is, again, from Robbie, Robbie Suave from Reason, that's how hired it is, how hard it is to hire gover- fire government employees. You yeah. just can't. You can't get rid of anybody who's got a government job. It's freaking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's discouraging. And, and as you pointed out when we were chatting about this, if you can't fire that guy, how are you going to fire somebody who spends all day watching porn on the taxpayer dime or somebody who steals, or somebody who's just utterly unproductive, somebody who fakes up records uh, claiming veterans are being treated at the VA centers when they're not. Or somebody you can't who's, fire those people. Or even just somebody who's not particularly friendly who works at the DMV. Right, and it just grows and grows and grows and grows. If there's grows. one thing I could change, eh, if I thought about it, I might come up with others. But off the top of my head, since we're talking about it, there's one thing I could change as a guy who wants a more effective government. It'd be making it easier to fire government employees. Yeah. In the real world, as we all know, you can get fired for practically anything. Well, for nothing. <laughs> Business is down. We've got to let 10% of you go. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. But in the world of government, new, it, only, it only expands, and you can be, well, an employee as bad as this. Yeah. You hide behind your car, and you don't even call for help. You don't even allow somebody else to show up and help. You just let kids get slaughtered. Even though you've got a badge and a gun and something on your shoulder that probably says serve and protect. Right. You didn't do right. either. And there are there are great cops, obviously. Sure. There are great government employees, theoretically. Um, although I, I happen to know some of them who bust their ass and they believe in what they're doing. But, you know, I'm struck by the contrast. We picked up the pizza, a pizza the other night. And the, the gal, who is normally the waitress, she was the running the food out to the car woman. This was uh, a week and a half ago or so when, when things were a little more locked down. But So this young woman was literally running with arms full of food out to cars. Um, the credit card already hadn't been processed, getting a quick signature, and then sprinting back in, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because, you know, in the private sector these days, if you're not busting your ass, you're gone. You're just gone, with very few exceptions. 
Meanwhile, in so many government offices, if you work at even half speed, you will be browbeaten, you will be threatened, you will be ostracized. Because the culture is, do as little as you can, don't make anybody look bad, and we'll just coast through the day. The contrast is just stunning. But, you know, not only can you not fire people for laziness or lack of production, you can't fire them for cowardice or theft or lying or abusing our nation's veterans. And you wonder why we're we're anti-big government around here? Well, I don't know. If you can't figure it out by now, Speaking of the there's lockdown, no helping you. A doctor with Johns Hopkins with a piece in the New York Times today, How to Reopen America Safely, he wrote an op-ed uh, arguing for a long lockdown and now is looking at the data and saying, we need to open back up. And I'm hoping this is influential because it's in the New York Times. Maybe it'll sway some people wow. on that side huh. that are, uh, you know, think it's a Trump weird conspiracy or something. Oh, yeah, as late as yesterday, I was still hearing the idiotic and false narrative that, that Trump is going against his health advisors. The, the policymakers make the policy, not the doctors. Uh, when we come back, since you heard a little bit of it, we can revisit my family dining table where I was uh, secretly taped. Dinner and, table in uh, You decide whether or not you think it crossed a line. I don't think it did. And Joe's got his own tale to tell, apparently. Yes, you absolutely crossed a line. I mean, there can be no... If, <laughs> if a poll were taken... Really? Polls? What What polls? Um, All of them? It would be near unanimity. Really? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Mm. Craziness. Mm. Way out there. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. That's next. Armstrong and Getty. I never watched Game of Thrones, but uh, one of the Game of Thrones actresses says uh, she looks back on the Game of Thrones and says, in retrospect, I thought, why did that scene have to be nude? Because you're really, really attractive. The hashtag MeToo movement caused her to question her graphic sex scenes in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, come on. You're an evil witch, and you're worried about showing your boobs? I mean, how about the evil? Let's start there. You were a seducer as a character. Yeah, you ruined people and turned them into... We've talked about this before. I like like attractive naked women as much as the next heterosexual guy. So you claim. But I've I've always hated when they throw it into a movie just for shock effect or because it's going to get people to show up or whatever. I find it ridiculous. Yeah, I wouldn't describe it as that. Um, Well, I haven't seen it, but but that does happen all the time. It definitely... Oh, absolutely. It definitely... uh, the atmosphere was not anti-boob in that show, nor buttock. I'd say most of the boobs I've ever seen in movies didn't need to happen at all mm, for the sake down. of the film. What? You piped down over there. Yeah, the minority in- viewpoint. The internet exists, Sean. If you have a need for that, it's there, all right? Yeah, where does it come from? Movies like that. <laughs> uh, doctor writing this, Dr. Marty Makery of uh, Johns Hopkins, which is a pretty important school. You know, if there's one good thing from the COVID, it's that people have figured out how to say Johns Hopkins. There's multiple of both. Got a couple of Johns, got a couple of Hopkins. And they got together, they started a university. You got to admire that. How to reopen. Now, next, first society, Ruth's Chris. Yeah, that's a confusing one. I know. I heard that had to do with like a divorce thing. 
Or it's a somebody. It was a merger or something. It was like Ruth's Steakhouse bought Chris Steakhouse, or I can't, and they couldn't die. Yeah, it was Chris's thing, but she got it in the divorce, so then right. she made it Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Yeah, uh, like yeah. I own your hiney. Yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. So, yeah. Why does divorce have to be so ugly? Anyway, back to you. Uh, this doctor writing how to reopen American safely. Months ago, I called for a long lockdown. Uh, now we must minimize collateral damage, saying, eh, I thought we are going to have to be locked down for many months. We've been locked down long enough. We've got to be reopening. It's a very long article getting into it and, 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 and presenting it very gently to the New York Times crowd because they know, and even mentions it's one point. I know there's a lot of conspiracies around the political need to downplay this, so they're playing to the crowd, realizing <sighs> that only Trump really wants to open the economy for his weird Trump evil reasons. But this doctor is saying, no, there's actually a good reason for us to get this going again, uh, including mentioning that in uh, late April, the United Nations World Food Program reported that 250 million people, quarter of a billion people, may face starvation as a result of the economic impact uh, around the world. No, Jack, we can only reopen based on science and data, not politics. There are other serious questions of continuing to stay at home orders and prolonging economic dis- dis- disruption, deferred medical care, mental health problems, domestic violence. One of the biggest pre-COVID-19 public health problems in the United States, loneliness, deaths of despair are all magnified by this home, in-home sheltering. No, we can only uh, we need to listen to the doctors. Oh, it's just so frustrating. Such an important conversation being had so stupidly. Well, you listening probably already agree with that or know that or heard that anyway, but a lot of the New York Times crowd has not heard it from anybody. It's not just a Trump lackey or a conspiracy theorist. So I'm hoping that being in the New York Times uh, helps move the needle on all this. For your Back bl- towards sanity. For your blue governors, for instance, gives them some cover so they can feel like they can do what is obviously the right thing to do. Right. And I don't want to war- wear this out completely, but I am completely convinced that these people are either misguided softheads like Jay Inslee in Washington or uh, Eric Garcetti in Los Angeles, or they're cynical uh, politicians like Gavin Newsom in California or, or uh, Gretchen Whitmer in, in Michigan, and they have calculated... I will be held responsible for COVID deaths. I will not be held responsible for the death of the economy, which is entirely based on my orders. Or at least, no, that's not fair. It's to a large extent based on their orders because people would be keeping themselves a little more anyway. Sure. Uh, because of the COVID thing. And I want to be fair about this, but they've calculated I will be blamed and tossed out of office for the COVID deaths, but I will not be blamed for the economy. The economy will be blamed on the COVID. So, therefore, I am just going to do everything to cut down on the number of COVID cases and deaths, even if the economy is crushed, even if it dies, if the economic fallout and the stuff that the doctor quite aptly pointed out results in a billion deaths, I will not be blamed for that. So, yes, I will trade a billion deaths if it'll keep me in power. So we uh, we mentioned this. We got to pay this off. This this is my dinner table last night. Uh, I think it's self-explanatory. My wife uh, whipped out her phone and started uh, recording this. What are you doing? I'm spreading peanut butter with my corn dog stick. <laughs> Which side? Not the corn dog side. So Why side you are have... you doing that? Don't so the knife? side that your mouth was on. There's a knife right there. That's a decent point. (laughs) But wait. I didn't know I had a knife. That's disgusting. (laughs) 
So I was spreading peanut butter on Ritz crackers with my corn dog stick, which mm. is the sort of thing a rube like me does, but apparently it's not good modeling for my children. Well, it, it took a minute for it to occur to me that the spreading is not the problem. It was the scooping of the peanut butter out of the jar with the corn dog stick. So you were holding onto the corn doggy end and using the you had your fingers on it end. To, no. To scoop it out? I was using the end the corn dog was on. Oh. Yeah. The handle remained constant oh. the whole time. Yeah, I didn't okay. I was just sticking my grimy end in there, but I was getting corn dog remnants from the stick. Mm. To children the peanut though, butter. The mouth end is the dirty end. Yeah. Like yeah, they sure. don't they don't associate that's the, the hands being jerky. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, about that's that. true. That, that, I'm sorry, that's not the corn dog end, it's the mouth end. Yeah, they were that's what Henry was oh. grossed out about. That's what bothered him. Oh boy. Wow, that's just is a sick enough. It's just say inexcusable. And there was a knife. That's r- disgusting. There was a knife right there, which yeah. By the way, are you married to James O'Keefe from Project Veritas <laughs> or what? He had secretly recorded dinner conversation. She's wearing a hat with a camera in it. <laughs> You're a little grainy. Say it again into my brooch. <laughs> All right. So how much time do we have, Michael? Okay. When we were young and poor, I was probably 23 years old at the time, Judy and I would make, like, a, we'd have lettuce. Just a, not a salad salad, but just lettuce in a big bowl that we chopped up. Just reach in and grab it with our hands and put it on our plate, okay? <laughs> I, it seems I, ridiculous to me now. Really, big I still do Thanksgiving that. dinner with her whole family there. I reach into the salad bowl and do that. In front of everybody. They looked at me like yeah. I had dropped my pants. <laughs> and Getty. government has declared them essential. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I saw that as restaurants reopen, many will only offer disposable menus. That's too bad. My favorite part of the meal was opening the menu and seeing all the stains from the people who ate before me. Mm. Is that a joke? Utah has moved to yellow. Utah is now yellow. That is the low-risk phase of their COVID response. There's high, there's moderate, there's low, and green is called new normal. Uh, points off for cliches. A minus. I didn't realize we had a rainbow of doom. Is that every state, or is that Utah's own thing? It's or? just Utah. Okay. Yeah, but very sensible, though. We can sure. describe their uh, their state a little bit later on, if you want. Not not the state, but the state of the state. The I don't know if you've been into this or if you just want to catch the end of it. The uh, highly rated docu series about the Chicago Bulls called "The Last Dance" has its final episodes this weekend. So this will be the them winning the sixth championship. It's about a lot of things, you know. Really, it's about uh, leadership. It's about fame. It's about commerce. It's about uh, hard fouls in the NBA at the time. It's Boy, there been a lot a, of things. There been a lot of uh, I guess butt hurt. NBA legends coming out over the over the weeks mm. with a variety of things, including, yeah, Michael Jordan's great. I'm not saying he's not, but did you ever watch Wilt Chamberlain play or blah, 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 these right. sorts of things? Or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has been talking about, I'd like to mention a couple of things here. And right. Or, or, he didn't whatever. dominate me. You guys chose those head those uh, d- 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 highlights. Uh, plenty of games I played better than him. Did you show those? Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, we were talking about how even that sheriff's deputy who didn't go into the school in Florida when the kids were being slaughtered, and not only that, he hid behind his car and had 10 minutes. He could have called and uh, coordinated some help, but didn't. Didn't even get on the radio. Even he can't lose his job and got his back pay. 
so hard to fire government employees. And we got a couple of texts about that I thought were good. I contract for a government agency. I show up every day for years and get nothing in benefits or vacation time. There are government employees that don't show up 68 to 80% of the time due to, quote, medical issues, but they can't be fired. Their workload just gets spread out amongst others. It's disgusting. I have heard that from government employees before, that uh, people that want to take advantage of the whole uh, sick days thing can just pretty much do that endlessly. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that can happen in the private sector if you got a good enough union. I've talked about this before. I, when, I, when I worked at UPS, this is a long time ago. I have no idea if it's like this anymore, but it was the Teamsters Union. And I'd never been part of a union before. It was amazing. If you ever had a complaint, man, people asked, how high do I need to jump? Your boss did right. if you had a complaint because they knew the Teamsters were going to be breathing down their neck. It was amazing. Um, and I didn't know that to the, to the day I uh, finally quit. But anyway, there were people that never showed up on Friday nights because they didn't want to work on a Friday night. You know, we're all young. I don't want to work on a Friday night. And they yeah. never showed on Friday night. They'd call in sick every Friday night. Never got warned, certainly didn't get fired, just nothing. You were just allowed not to show up. Wow. And we all had to work so freaking hard to make up for the fact that they weren't there. Yeah. But that's just the way it is. Wow. Um, back to the government stuff. Uh, two state employees are neighbors working from home. They both admit that their ID, IT departments and computer systems are so antiquated that they, can do, they can't do anything but check emails. Five weeks in, and there's a lot of tennis, golf, and hiking going on over there at taxpayers' expense. Yeah, that's not their fault. If that's the best computer they got, all they can do is check emails. Yeah. <laughs> they got ColecoVisions over there at the state? Uh, mm, pretty se- much. I'm a private sector employee, 86 to 2016, government employee for the past four years. The BSA I see in government is such a waste. Most positions would be a workload of a quarter to half-time employee in the private sector. That doesn't surprise me. That means in California, 230,000 employees could be trimmed down to around 100K if every employee worked at full capacity and didn't have six to ten weeks of vacation every year. Six to ten weeks vacation. Holy cow. And then finally we got this one. It's not true. You can get a state employee fired. Just accuse them of sexual harassment or racism. This only works for men, though. And Republicans. As there have been a couple of Democrats in in the state where I live, Cal Unicornia, who have sexually harassed people, and it just kind of gets swept under the rug. What do we want to talk to Lon Hee Chen about? We've got him coming up in a few minutes. What, what, what What are the politics of the day? I have a couple of questions, um, more uh, philosophical musings than reaction to the headline, about how divided we are in our perceptions of the country, Americans with completely different news media that I, they go to. I say we ask him Trump, good thing or bad thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. That was, that was uh, fabulous and horrifying. We were, that uh, made me less alive, Sean. We were talking earlier about how the, the courts need to get more involved. We're definitely at the point that the courts need to start weighing in on this whole shutdown thing and figuring out who has the right to do what. Yeah. Uh, I saw that Joe Rogan's threatening to move out of California, one of the most listened to podcasts in, uh, in the entire world. Mm. He's saying he's had enough. But anyway, this from the Miami Herald. Largely because he, he wants to make money as a stand-up, and California's not letting him do that. Gotcha. So going to a place that allows it. A Key West family that owns five clothing sh- shops on uh, Duval Street in Key West. I've been drunk there, by the way, Duval Street, Key West. Keeping my theme earlier, the earthquake, big earthquake last night in Tonopah, Nevada. Most of you have never heard of it. I've been drunk there. Uh, name a Clo- city in America. <laughs> I've been drunk. There are quite a few of them. <laughs> um, anyway, Clothing so th- shop in Key West. Uh, you go there to get a suit tailored, I'm sure, a tie. Well, it's the touristy street in Key West. But sure. anyway, they're suing uh, the county 
accusing the county leaders of enforcing a blatantly unconstitutional emergency order that is stopping them from earning a living. The more and more this is happening at all levels, city, county, and state, and I'm glad to see it, right. and precedent be set, so maybe we can't go quite this half-cocked ever again. The uh, um, county supervisor we talked to from a northern Cal Unicornia County uh, about a week ago, I thought he put it better than virtually anybody in that he pointed out the specific verbiage of the law that allows emergency declarations by his governor and, and all governors, and that is that the county resources are overwhelmed and they can no longer handle the situation. And his point was, we're not even close to overwhelmed. We're handling the situation quite beautifully. There ain't no emergency here. So why is the governor saying, you can't open your bookstore? We need the courts to get in on this quickly. I can't believe it's taken this long. I don't... It's a little mystifying to me, the times that the courts react immediately. But an injunction is issued, blah, blah, blah. And then there are times it takes years and years to litigate these things. And I can't believe this isn't one of the, the former. But so far, so not much. So one of our favorite political pundits, he's really good, Lon Hee Chen coming up. And I like Sean's question. Donald Trump, good thing or bad thing? Oh, the two of you. <laughs> Hilarious. Stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Sir, if you were to win the election, would you be willing to commit to not pulling a President Ford and giving Donald Trump a pardon under the pretense of healing the nation? In other words, are you willing to commit to the American ideal that no one is above the law? Absolutely, yes. I commit. So that's Joe Biden from his town hall last night, and I thought that was amazing. So most of the media I'm taking in is fairly obsessed and should be this week about uh, what did Biden know and when did he know it with what Trump is calling Obamagate? And do we have a constitutional crisis here? And some Jonathan Turley called it the story of the century, what went on with the the, the media and, uh, you know, spying on political opponents and that sort of stuff. But for the other half of the country, the question is, the crimes of Donald Trump, and will you pardon him? That's what I'm worried about if you're elected president. Completely different worlds we're living in for the narrative. Let's discuss with Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Lon He, how are you, sir? I'm fine. Good morning. So we're curious uh, your take on the utterly divided perceptions uh, of uh, the various groups of Americans and... How do you campaign in a country like that? And specifically, how do you win over the persuadables while not freaking out your base if your base and the other base believe completely different realities? Well, it, it, this is a really, really important issue you guys are covering. The, the polarization of our society, everything, every issue is viewed through a political lens. I don't care what it is, whether it's you know reopening the economy because of coronavirus the issue of unmasking, uh, which is the, the whole controversy that you guys have been referencing around, uh, you know, revealing the identities of those who asked about a Flynn's identity or, or, or even, you know, how we view the stimulus bill that Congress is considering, whether they should do it 
or whether it's just a big progressive grab bag. I mean, all of these things are viewed through a partisan lens. And it's tough. In a campaign setting, you know what I think most of the candidates I've talked to this cycle have decided on? And this is not going to be encouraging. They Uh have basically decided decided they're going to go to their base. And they're going to animate their base and make sure their base shows up and, you know, hope that they collect just enough sort of independent-minded people to get them over the finish line. But they have decided, and, and, and there, are, there are countless examples of this, guys, whether it's in contested Senate races around the country, congressional races, they have decided they are going to do their best to get enthusiasm up amongst those who are most likely to support them and hope that that's enough because it is just too divided. There is no nuance. You can't walk the middle line. You're better off just going to your base. And, and it's discouraging, but I think that's where a lot of people are. Hey, I want to stay big picture for a little while, but first, uh, there was a, a fellow one buck back a uh, Republican congressional seat in California for the first yeah. time since Pancho Villa was coming over the border. Uh, how <laughs> how did that happen? Um, it's a combination of a lot of different things. First of all, I think it, it demonstrates the value of having a candidate who, who at the end of the day is an effective candidate because of, of how they match up with the demographics of a district their ability to articulate just a very, very simple message. And in, in Mike Garcia's case, who's the guy who won down in California 25, Simi Valley, that sort of area, it, it was a combination of a good candidate with a, a lot of anger at the previous member of Congress who held that seat. I'm sure you guys have covered the Katie Hill debacle. Yeah, that was uh, the uh, naked uh, Don't sit bisexual. on hotel furniture naked was my main takeaway from that. Right. It's just it's disgusting. Yeah, so or, gross. Or just, or just don't, don't, don't appear naked while, while being a member of Congress. I mean, probably I a good idea. Probably generally a good rule. Good rule. So, so combination of good candidate plus, you know, kind of disastrous situation with the previous office holder and, 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 you know, I think Garcia did a good job, quite frankly, to, to the point discussion we were just having of motivating the people in that district who in particular felt that they either supported Trump or thought Trump was getting a bad rap. And I think that there were just enough of those people in a special election context to, 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 to get him across the finish line. Wow, interesting. I know that you've been in, involved in a bit of a national discussion about opening up, uh, particularly around school, but... Yeah, we were. You mentioned the whole uh, partisanship around every issue. There's a doctor writing in the New York Times today an op-ed piece from Johns Hopkins saying, "You know, I argued for closing down for a long time. Now, now I believe we've gone too far, too long. The economy's suffering. Blah blah blah." And then has to put a couple of paragraphs in the story to make it clear that I realize that some of you are sensitive to the political issues on this, as in. Uh, you're for Trump, then. You want to open the economy, you must be a Trump right. supporter. And so immediately it's got to be dismissed by the New York Times crowd. They had to, they had to point that out. It, it makes it difficult to have any conversation. It does. I mean, let me give you guys an example of this. So a couple of days ago, I, I put out a series of tweets that basically said, look, I think, I think we do need to, to really encourage the public, the, the public and private K-12 schools to try to reopen this fall. But not just reopen willy-nilly. we got to have them think about you know, issues like how do you take care of faculty who might be in that sensitive age category where they could suffer more or kids who have preexisting conditions? Let's let's open up the schools, but do it intelligently. Um, I can't tell you how much hatred I got from the right and the left. The wow. right saying, you idiot, just open the schools, just open them up. Kids will be fine. You know, kids will kids will do it. They'll be fine. And from the left saying, you're a crazy Trump supporter. Why do you, why, why do you want to kill people? 
and and I I, I just don't I, I don't know what to make of it anymore because people have gone they've gone mad they they have an inability to understand that sometimes there can be a a middle independent road that you're going to walk and I think most people at their core want a reasonable solution but we've become so animated by the far right and the far left that this is where we are in our society now it's really kind of sad boy you a guy who studies this sort of thing your whole life yeah. saying, I don't know what to make of it anymore, and sounding despondent is troubling to me. Well, Lonnie, you've probably heard us say in the past, we'll make a statement or have a conversation on the show, and we'll get half a dozen emails saying, I'm never going to listen to you again, you're too pro-Trump, simultaneously receiving six emails saying, I'll never listen to you again, you're too anti-Trump. I mean, based on yeah. the same statements. And, and so, yeah. It, 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 it's crazy, but guess what? I bet they're all still listening. <laughs> well, and, and how could you know? they not? Lonnie Chan is uh, with mean, the Hoover Institution and uh, Stanford University. I wish, well, Trump, uh, I guess Trump to some extent thinks it benefits him anytime he's being talked about, but I wish he'd stay out of some issues. Um, I wish he'd stay out of this Obamagate thing. I, I think if he'd stay out of it, there's a better chance the New York Times, uh, you know, George Stephanopoulos, whatever, digs into it. As soon as Trump gets involved, then it's, oh, I don't want to be on Trump's side thing. Yeah, well, I think... You know, first of all, he, he he's got his gut instinct, and there are just things he can't resist. This is going to be one of those things he, he wouldn't be able to resist. Right. Oh, yeah. He's going to dive right into the middle of it. And, and you know, he, here's the thing. At the end of the day, I, I've been looking some more at, at data about kind of what people think about Trump in the election this year. I'm actually not sure it's going to matter a whole lot at the end of the day whether he gets reelected or not in, in terms of this issue. I, I really do think that it's going to be a very simple calculus for most people, and it's going to have to do with the economy. And, and when it comes down to it, it's not about how, how objectively good the economy is, because I, I don't think the unemployment rate is going to be at a great point by the time we get to the election. It's going to be about the trend. If, if Trump can show some improvement about the economy and he is able to trumpet that improvement, my sense is he's got a pretty good shot at being successful, notwithstanding all of the dialogue about how he's handled the coronavirus response. And I think people will disagree on that. But I really do think for most voters – in, in the sort of swing states who are thinking about this election carefully, it's going to come down to the economy. So all this other stuff is noise. Hmm. Well, if the economy is not trending up, you know, compared to the current situation, God help us all. I right. mean, we're going to be right. in, in seriously dire straits. Uh, Lonnie Chan of the Hoover Institution and uh, Stanford University. Lonnie, on a personal note, my uh, 20-year-old college student daughter has become just utterly enthusiastic about uh, electoral data analysis. And I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe I can, if I can give her your email address or something, maybe you could recommend a book or something like that. To. She's and, a great and, admirer. And, you know, I think there's a, there, 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 there's a great amount of job security for people who are interested in electoral data these days. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I, she's surely not my child, but uh, I'm proud of her anyway, and I claim her. Uh, Lon, he, great to talk to you, and let's do it again soon. Thank you. Yeah, Lonnie in a Twitter war over saying, let's find a middle ground and get colleges open again. I mean, is there a position you can take on any issue, any position on any issue that will not get you hatred? There's just there's just a gut level level feeling that so many people have now of sizing up a story, a pundit, a person you run into, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which side are you on? There's only two sides. Which are you on? Right. And then you listen for a cue, and then you make a determination. Oh, they're on that side. 
Right. And that's the, that's the end of it. Exactly. I try to avoid that sort of thinking, but I understand it. You know, in 1944, for instance, there were not a lot of people running around saying, you know, Japan has been the source of some beautiful modern music. <laughs> you know, or there are a lot of great right. German uh, writers who you really ought to read. And by the same token, I used to have a next door neighbor who I despised. He was a bastard. I mean, he was a rotten human being on every level. And if we'd had some sort of neighborhood uh, controversy over, should we, I don't know, what do you want to do? Uh, hire a street sweeper to keep the street clean. And he came out in favor of it. My natural inclination would be to look for reasons why that was a stupid waste of everyone's money. It's just, it's the way we are as human beings. But I, if there's anything at stake in terms of unity, I mean, if, 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 if there's enough at stake that unity matters, for instance, the next cul-de-sac over was regularly raiding our cul-de-sac, beating up our children and, and attempting to steal our stuff. Well, then he and I have to put aside our dislike and we at least have to figure out a way to talk to each other. Well, the United States have some has some evil, evil sons of bitches, pardon me, living on the next cul-de-sac, whether it's North Korea or China, most notably, or Russia or Iran. And we got to be able to talk to each other. That's true. If you hate your boss and they come up with an idea that's a good idea, you have to fight your instinct to accept the fact that it's a good idea. Right. So I'm asking you, friends, look deep within your hearts. Or those of you who are shallow, look shallowly within your hearts. See if you can find some truth. Armstrong and Getty.